welcome in Josh Neighbors. Josh, good morning. We appreciate your time this morning. I'm going to throw you a little curveball here, and I want to start with, with what's going on in Conference USA. Marshall is suing the conference to get out and move on to the Sun Belt. When this is all said and done, are, are there any winners here, in your opinion? Having a little technical problems, uh, we'll try to rehook up with, with, with Josh Neighbors here on the program. But, uh, uh, and, and again, Ward, <laughs> I was, I was going to throw him a little curveball and, and talk a little bit about uh, this Conference USA and Marshall. And, and, you know, in our backyard, it does, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know that, that, uh, that it's necessarily something that we're going to be all that concerned about once we get to, to fall. But, uh, Josh, are you there? Do you have me? Yes, I am. I'm here. Uh, there you go. All right. We were having a little technical problem. I said I was going to throw you a curveball. So, so here it is. Uh, Marshall suing Conference USA to get out early and, and move on to the Sun Belt. At the end of the day, are there, are there any real winners in this situation? Uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, I think this is the kind of the situation that we're in now. And, uh, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, it's kind of set off this chain reaction. And, and now you're going to see it. And I, I think we're going to get a lot more prominent lawsuits across all of college sports. I mean, I think we're going to see that in uh, maybe the NIL space. You'll see some lawsuits. I think in the conference space, you're going to see some lawsuits as well. So I think this is going to be a, a bit more normalized now. But now, you know, uh, it's one of the sad parts because the lawsuit is just kind of a reminder that the shifting is happening and that conferences will probably be dissolved. And uh, it's just kind of part of the business now, I guess, at this point. Is that where we're heading to where we're going to have just the super conferences and, and all these other conferences are going to just disappear? Well, I'll tell you what, what's not helping is the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 voting against, uh, you know, voting against playoff expansion because, the thing is, is that like we're going to get it eventually, but the SEC was extending an olive branch. I know it's advantageous expansion for them, but Greg Sankey is right when he says he could take it or leave it. But still, view it this way, expansion is still an olive branch. It, if it's six automatic qualifiers and top 12 teams, I mean, it's still an olive branch to conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC. Those, those conferences were not involved. Uh, you know, in this year's playoff, and it's an olive branch to the AAC and maybe some years the Sun Belt and the Mountain West, depending on how good those teams are. So, you know, that's an olive branch. It's giving them exposure. It's giving them a seat at the table. And turning that down is bad because conferences like, you know, now the Big Ten and the SEC, I mean, they could exist on their own. Their fan bases are that big. Their product is that valuable. And so uh, it being turned down right now is not advantageous. And I think, yeah, it could end in a situation where uh, those conferences do break away if we neglect them and, and decided not go with college football playoff expansion. Do you think there's any concern like Texas and Oklahoma are going to you know, look at this and determine, well, let's bail now? Or do you think they're set and going to ride out their, their um, agreement with the Big 12? They have to ride it out. That buyout, that, that, that amount of money they have to pay is, is getting too steep at this point. And – it's going to be nice for the Big 12 because I think at this point it looks like we might get at least a season of the four new teams and the, you know Texas and Oklahoma, uh, all of them kind of together. So I think that could be really interesting for a year or two. But I, I think everybody was so concerned and thought this is the end of the Big 12 and, you know, uh, oh, Texas, no you. They're not staying around. 
And then as kind of the dust settles, especially now that we're not getting college football playoff expansion in the immediate and the SEC maybe couldn't help them pay their way out or something along those lines, uh, definitely at this point, I, I think Texas and Oklahoma have to ride this thing out. Financially, it just does not make sense for them to, to pay all that money. If they can just wait a couple of years and then, you know, uh, end up jumping the SEC and then making all that money. Talking with Josh Neighbors from the podcast Locked on Big 12. Let's get to the fun stuff. Let's get to the games. Uh, right now, Baylor is, is, a, uh, is a two seed, according to the NCAA. If the Bears find a way to, to win the Big 12, and obviously they got to they gotta win uh, Saturday against Kansas, but if they find a way to, to win the Big 12 regular season, can you see them moving back to the one line? Yeah, I mean, definitely. If they, I think the consensus right now is if, if the number, yeah, whoever wins the Big 12 is going to get a one seed. The issue for Baylor, I'd, I'd be so focused on getting healthy because their rotation is, what, six, seven players now? And out of the six and seven who are playing, they've got guys in Akinjo and Flagler who, uh, you know, Fran Fraschella was mentioning it, like those guys are not 100%. This team is nowhere near healthy enough, I think, to be considering one seed. I mean, there's an argument to be made that a first-round exit or an early exit in the Big 12 tournament could actually help this team because they just need time to get right and get healthy. And I mean, there's an argument to be made, too, that, you know, what they showed, if they can find any semblance of what they showed non-conference, uh, they're going to be a dangerous team. But to do that, they need to be at full strength. And you know you're not going to have JTT. So the question becomes, all right, you know, we got to make sure we get Cryer uh, back and, and, and what's his status and how bad is this injury because he's, he's off and on and uh, how are the rest of the guards feeling? You know, I love Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan. I think there's going to be two NBA players for you right there, but those guys are so young that you need the veteran leadership to be there, to be healthy and to be on their game to help bring those guys along and find the best version of this Baylor team because it's not the same team from earlier in the season. Josh, who's playing the best right now as we come down the stretch in the Big 12? Texas Tech. It's got to be Texas Tech because uh, their defense is is on fire right now, and they're playing some of their best defensive basketball. And there's no Kevin McCullough right now, and and they're doing a great job of of riding out that injury. And different guys are stepping up, and you're seeing what this collective unit can be. It's funny because Chris Beard's teams were always so transfer heavy. In the last couple of years, it feels like those teams haven't reached their pinnacle in a certain way and this group this group of of guys like kevin o'banner and bryson williams uh you know and, and clarence nadolny and and isaiah arms they're all coalescing right now and they're playing really good defensive basketball and the thing for them is they've had some off nights on the offensive end you know last night it did not matter how good their offense was because they beat the brakes out of uh, you know, off off Oklahoma, and they did it with their defense. And so, of course, shot making is going to be going to need to happen in the end. Yes, but their defense, with the way they're playing right now, it's hard to argue against what Texas Tech is doing. And Mark Adams got is not just consideration for Coach of the Year in the Big Twelve, National Coach of the Year consideration. And I think the the three right now I would consider Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Uh, you got to go with um, completely blanking uh, on the coach's name at Arizona, uh, Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. And then also Mark Adams. Those three, to me, are the front runners for Coach of the Year. Tech definitely rolled last night. Kansas rolled as well. And then the Jayhawks are going to make their way to Waco this Saturday. What are your thoughts on this matchup? 
especially and to me, I think Baylor can lose this and be just fine. I'm I'm totally on board with what you're saying about, and I even think it's good take an early exit, get healed up for March Madness from the Big Twelve Conference uh, tournament. But when you look at this matchup on Saturday, what are your expectations for Baylor and, and Kansas? Yeah, it's it's a really good matchup because I just I like the way that these two teams play. The first one wasn't a, a very good game, but you know this one's going to be at home and adjustments will be made. They, the one thing Baylor needs badly is Matt Meyer to start playing better because they're having to bail him out constantly. And you saw he was not in the end of the game the other day. And it's the fact that they're missing guys and Meyer is not on the floor in the end of games just shows you the level of play that, you know, he's, he's not found this year and that we know he's capable of. They need him to step up because when you got guys like Oshai Abaji right now, who's, you know, he's been, he's been great all season. And I think Dewan Harris is stepping up a lot more and, and, uh, you know, you're seeing the way that Jalen Wilson is playing. He's become a very well-rounded player. When you've got guys like that who are all playing, you, know, you need your guys to step up and kind of match what those guys bring. And on the wing, it's Matt Meyer who needs to step up and, and you know, kind of uh, be a guy that's knocking down those threes and those, those quick trigger threes that we like so much. It's just been a difficult adjustment for him being that bench scorer to being that full-time guy, and he's found it difficult. But the problem for them is, they're not deep enough at this point to say, all right, Matt, you can go back to the bench for us. They need him to come up. They need him to play a lot of minutes. And so I think that, you know, I favor Kansas. I know Baylor's at home, but I favor Kansas just because of how banged up Baylor is uh, right now at this point in time. Do you think Meyer should have – I really feel like he hurt his draft stock significantly by coming back this year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting because he's going up against the guy in Oshag Baji who I was dead wrong about. I, I was talking with NBA draft guys, and we thought, you know – Oshai should probably leave at the end of last year because his skill set as a 3 and D translates well to the NBA. Um, and so, you know, just being a standstill 3 and D in college is, is not really that effective for him. It's not helping his stock. Well, he came back and completely worked on his game, and now he has got scouts talking about his potential at the next level. It works both ways. Matt Meyer is somebody that, all right, we're looking for you to take that next step this season. We all thought it was kind of a natural progression. A guy needs that next year to show he can do it at the starter spot. It didn't happen for him. So, yeah, his draft stock's been hurt, but I think, I think scouts needed to see one more year of him kind of as a starter just to see what he would do in, in that role. And it's, it's been difficult for him. So, you know, I think he's still got a future as a pro, but this has just not been the season. You can tell the confidence, and he's mentioned it too, the confidence is just not there. But I think eventually he's going to find that confidence again. And it's, it's going to come at some point. Maybe it's the summer in the gym. Maybe it's a certain game. It's going to happen for him eventually. He's too good of a player, in my opinion, not to. But it's just it's been inconsistent this year, and it's been mostly poor, I think. And I think he would admit that too. Talking with Josh Neighbors from the podcast Locked on Big 12. Josh, I think we all know about Kansas. I think we know how good tech is. We know Baylor's situation. I'm curious, what do we know about Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns? How good are they and how good can they be? Yeah, this is this is the question for Chris Beard team is because it's it's hard to make groups like this coalesce. I, I remember when he talked about bringing back Brock Cunningham and there's the picture of him and Brock Cunningham, you know, kind of together. And it was like, oh, this is my first player, right? We're re-recruiting him. Well, they've got such a, a mixture of guys from all over the place. And, you know, the one thing about transfers in college basketball is like some of them kind of are what they are. And with that, it doesn't always make, you know, it doesn't make things mix. It, it's funny because 
They brought in a bunch of guys, but it feels like at the end of the day, I know Christian Bishop's been pretty good, but it feels like Ramey and Jones are the guys that really, when it comes down to it, that they need. The big thing for them is the, the three-headed monster last year of Matt Coleman, Jones, and Ramey was really strong. Obviously, you had, you know, Jericho Sims and the paint that one. That's a, that's a great situation you got going. But they, you know, they lose Jericho Sims. They lose Matt Coleman. And Marcus Carr, to me, it's been disappointing. You know, he, he's also almost changed his game, too. It seems like he's afraid to be that, that shooter, a high-volume shooter. And, and his playmaking is not at the level that it needs to be at this point in time. Now, Texas is really good at defense. They've been very good at home, save that last game, that game last week. So they – they feel like a team that at this point can top out at the Sweet 16. But if you put them up against the top teams in the conference, I know they beat KU at home, but put them on a neutral floor against the top teams in the conference, then put them on a neutral floor against the, you know, the Arizonas of the world. Uh, you know, put them against uh, teams from the SEC like the Auburns of the world. Your confidence level in them is not that high. So this was a, a pretty fast rebuild. But I think for Chris Beard, he needs to get more players he needs some guys to stay in this program for a little bit because I think for him going the straight up transfer route, while it's helping cultivate some pretty decent, talented teams, they're not succeeding. And you can go back to the kind of Chris Clark, Texas tech team from 2019 when the season got stopped, they were in a game at the end of the year playing Texas, in a big 12 tournament, basically for a spot, uh, you know, in kind of a, a loser leaves town match, the NCAA tournament. So while he's a really good coach, the results of these transfer laden teams really haven't been there in the way that I think we kind of think that they have been there. Josh, we started the basketball season saying there's a possibility for the Big 12 to get eight, maybe seven teams into the NCAA tournament. As we're getting toward the finish line and heading toward conference tournaments, is that number still hovering about the same, or is it starting to shrink a little bit for the Big 12? Uh, it's starting to shrink. I would say six right now feels like the number that is most likely. The teams that you're not going to get in, obviously Oklahoma State is not going uh, to be in. Oklahoma has not done themselves any favors. They're now a 500 basketball team, and rightfully so, on the outside of the bubble. West Virginia has gotten themselves themselves on the outside of the bubble as well. Kansas State uh, is a team that is – they needed that win in uh, Gallagher-Ivall on Saturday so badly because they're 14 and 13 now. They're six in the Big 12, but and also they do that Kansas win. I mean, they were up 17 on Kansas the first time around they played. That's the one that got away because if they got that win under their belt, it's a completely different conversation about this Kansas State team. But that loss at Gallagher Iba hurt them, and they can't afford to be losing back-to-back games like they have. They really kind of need to win out. Uh, they've got Iowa State at home, at Tech, and then home against Oklahoma. Uh, that's two quadrant one games but i count two or three quad uh the texas tech games definitely be quadrant one iowa state might be have to see where they are the net but those are three wins that they pretty much have to have to get themselves on the right side just beating oklahoma and beating iowa state is not enough that'll set them up to need to go basically to the final in the big 12 tournament so kansas state's the swing team to get them seven but right now oklahoma state oklahoma west virginia kansas state are all on the outside of the bubble Josh, can't let you get out of here without congratulating you on being the voice of the Richmond Spiders baseball man. Talk about last night. That that could you ask for a better call, a better opportunity on your first call? The way that Richmond was able to take care of William and Mary. 
Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty exciting. I mean, we got a fourteen eleven game. It was Richmond's home opener. It was nice too because it was it was sixty eight degrees in February, and that mid Atlantic, my friends, is uncommon. But it was raining off and on during the game. Both teams a lot of offense. It was fun. It's great. To, I also covered the Nationals for Locked On as well. So it was actually great to see some actual baseball, some college baseball, because the pros can't figure their you-know-what out right now. <laughs> so it was nice to see some actual baseball. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to have a good time this year calling some U of R baseball, meet a few other people. So fun first game. Not sure, not sure it can get better than that. It's all downhill from here. Hey, Josh, man, we, uh, we appreciate your time. What do, you, what do you got coming up on the podcast? Yeah, so we, a lot of people have been asking a lot of different podcasts and shows, what's the best rivalry in the Big 12? And we kind of have, have a show about that that's out right now. We kind of discuss the different angles and the ways you can look at what's the best rivalry in the current Big 12, uh, you know, in kind of the wider uh, narrative of college football and basketball, and also what's going to be the best rivalries in the new Big 12, and also some more conversation about college football playoff expansion and why we're not getting it. So that's coming up on the show. As always, it's a pleasure. We appreciate your time this morning. Yep, talk to you guys next week.